Well, thanks for, thanks for being here tonight, Raider Church. Uh, Clayton is enjoying a night off, and then it turns out his whole family is sick. So if you want to uh, pray for those guys, I'm sure you'd appreciate it. But he started a series last week called Fake Jesus. If you missed it, man, I would encourage you to go back and listen. It is, it's just incredible stuff. And we're talking about, in this series, who Jesus really is. Like, what if the Jesus that you serve, the, the Jesus that you, know, you imagine him to be, what if he's not the real Jesus? What if you're assuming some things about him that aren't true? I mean, we all do it, right? Like, what do you picture when you think of him? Who do you think God is? What do you think his characteristics are? How does he think? How does, you know, how does he react to things? What's his nature? See, we don't have to always guess when it comes to who God is because he's revealed himself to us in, in a, a lot of different ways. And here's a couple of them here. In his word, we can read through scripture. We can learn things about God, who he is, and what his nature is. But also, in the life and person of Jesus Christ, we can look at Jesus' life here on earth and his ministry and where he went and what he did and what he said and how he lived his life. And man, we can learn a whole lot about who Jesus is. Which Jesus do you serve? <laughs> is he the real one? Or are you, are you assuming some things that may not be true? See, when we assume, Clayton did the thing last week, I'm not going to do it, you know, you know what happens when you assume, right? Usually bad things happen, right? Like the outcomes aren't always what you think they're going to be. Assuming sometimes leads you down the wrong path. And I was trying to think of a good example of a time that I assumed something and it worked out badly for me. And this is kind of weird, but the first thing I thought about was, this is a time probably 10 or 15 years ago and my wife, Jennifer, and I, we were on this, we did like a quick little lunch date, right, to Carino's, because I'm a big spender, you know? So uh, <laughs> we were going to go to Carino's at lunchtime, and it had, in the middle of the winter, it snowed like the day before or something. I remember it was just horrible weather, like super cold, really windy. There was still snow and ice and slush and everything on the ground. And so, of course, you know, we bundled up and we, we parked the truck like as close as we get to the front door. And you know, when it's cold, you don't take your time getting in the building. You want to move it, right? And so we were moving. And I made an assumption as I stepped up on that curb, uh, you know, not, not a conscious one, obviously, but I made an assumption that it wouldn't be slick, okay? And before I hit the ground, I didn't realize this at the time, but I'd made another assumption that compounded the first one. I assumed I wouldn't need my hands to break my fall, so I had them deep down in my jacket pockets, and man, I went down hard, like hard and fast, and not just down on the ground, but you know, like in the little gutter of the curb, it was just full of slush, you know, that nasty brown ice water that just kind of collects everywhere. I was soaked in it from my, my head to my toe, and now I don't know if you've ever fallen down in public. It's a humbling experience, right? I do it a lot, like uh, too much. I, I fell today right over here, setting up the, the baptistry stuff. So you're not worried about getting hurt when you hit the ground. What are you worried about? Like who saw that, right? And, and uh, man, it's, it's like it was made of rubber. As soon as I hit the ground, I popped back up, you know? And of course, my beautiful wife, she responded in the appropriate way. Like she didn't ask how it was. She like laughed her head off, right? She was like, she laughed harder than, than I fell. But, <laughs> but man, when we assume things, especially when it comes to our relationship with God, it doesn't turn out well for us. 
And so in this series, we're going to be talking about who the real Jesus is. And maybe some ways that we've assumed some things that aren't true. Clayton talked a lot last week just about how sometimes Jesus isn't either or. Sometimes he's both and. Just like, you know, he's all God and he's all man. He's not a hybrid of the two and he's not one or the other. He's both of them. Even though they seem like they're on different ends of the spectrum, right? But he's both and. And we're going to cover one of those things tonight. And here it is. Jesus is more about now than you can possibly imagine. But he's also more about later than you could possibly imagine. He's about now and he's about later. Now and later. You know that candy, like you bite into it and it's designed to like rip your teeth out of your jaw? Uh, good way to remember it, I guess. But I don't even know why I said that. It wasn't even part of my notes. Okay, so now, now and later. He's about now, but he's also about later. So we're going to look through a lot of different scriptures in the Bible. If you don't have one, they're on the screen. But we're going to fly through these. First of all, he's all about your now. Like God is completely into you and your personal life, like the details of your life here and now, each and every day. Like he's completely all about us as individuals, which blows my mind if you think about it. Like the way my mind works, I think about God and he's like the creator of the universe, like this big, powerful God. Like surely he has more going on and, you know, than to worry about me. Like he's got a lot of people to, to, to worry about. He's got a lot of things happening in the world. Like why would he be interested in what I'm doing with my life in this moment? Well, let's look at it. Genesis 1, creation story, right? So he gets to, to, to creating man. So God created human beings, what? In his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. <laughs> Think about this. So, so he didn't create us just like he did the cows or the birds or fish or whatever. Like he created humans in his own image. Like he cared so much about this creation. Like we were, we were his, his prized creation. He loved humans so much that he made us to look like himself. That blows, that blows my mind. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 20. We are God's masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. You ever think, you look in the mirror and you look, man, that's God's masterpiece right there. <laughs> Maybe you do. Clayton probably does, but I would never. <laughs> but you're God's masterpiece. And God is so much about you. He, he knows what you're thinking right now. He knows how you feel. He knows what you need in your life right now. He knows what you're going to need tomorrow. He knows it all. Next. Matthew 6, 8, this is Jesus. He's just given us, you know, a, a, a sermon kind of about how we should pray. And he says this, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. So he's saying, come pray to God, right? But, but he already knows. He knows what you need because he's in tune with you on a personal level every minute of every single day. And this is crazy. You've heard this one before. Luke 12, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Like he knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He even knows the hairs on your head. He knows you inside and out. He knows you. And get this, not only does he know you, but the Bible says, this is David writing in Psalms, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. <laughs> 
Every detail. So God wants to be in every single detail of your life, not just the big decisions, right? Not just the big moments or, man, I got to pray about this thing. I got to decide or whatever. Like he wants to be in every single seemingly insignificant moment of your life. How awesome is that? Like for the time you get up to the time you go to bed, every step along the way, every small, meaningless decision, every thought that goes through your head, he's, he's all about it because he cares about you. See, when we see this in the life of Jesus, when you look at his life and ministry, like he was all about people. He spent all of his time with people, not just churchy people. In fact, he didn't spend any time with the churchy people. He spent all of his time with broken people because he cared about their lives. He wanted to make their lives better. He would see sick people and he would heal them. Or he'd see somebody that couldn't walk and he would heal them. They would stand up and walk. He would feed people when they were hungry. He was all about their experience right now in this life, right here today. He wanted to improve their lives. Here's a good example of it. As soon as Jesus heard the news, the news he's talking about, he's just found out that someone he cares about very much, John the Baptist, has died. As soon as he heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed, and they followed on foot for many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now, come on. If this were me, and I, the you know, crowds followed me everywhere I went, and I just had some news that was devastating, right? And I, I pull away to go, get alone by myself, maybe to grieve or to kind of put my thoughts together. And you look up, and the crowd's coming again. I would be ticked, right? Like, what, what are we doing? Like, give me a minute, right? I need some time. But Jesus looks at them, and he sees people that are broken and that are hurting, that are lost, that are wandering. He has compassion on them. His heart breaks for them. And then he moves among them and he heals their sick. Jesus loved people because Jesus could feel what they feel. He, he knows how you feel. He knew how these people felt. Well, how does he know that? Clayton talked some about this last week, but Hebrews 4, this high priest of ours, this is Jesus, he understands our weaknesses for, he's just guessing? No, he read about it? No, like he faced all the same stuff that we do. All of it. There's nothing that you've been through that he hasn't been through. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be uh, alone, feel lonely. He knows what it's like to, to be hurt by people that he loved to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to lose someone. He knows what it's like to be tempted. And in all of these areas of our lives, like he, he has compassion towards us as he's in our daily lives and our daily struggles, everything we think and feel, he's in all of those moments and he's, he's compassionate towards us. He feels it. He feels what we feel. He hurts when we hurt. Because we're his children. He loves us. Have you ever had to watch someone that you love suffer? Have you ever had to watch someone that you love in extreme pain and feel completely helpless? 
I mean, I hope, I hope you never do. And we've been fortunate enough, we haven't been through anything really life and death with any of our kids or anything, but we've been through some things and it's an excruciating thing as a parent, for sure. In fact, there was one time, I've, we have three kids. I have a, a daughter, Taylor, that's almost 16. Stay off the roads in a couple of months. Um, we have a son, Aiden, who is 12, and then we have Xander that's almost nine. And when he was about two, here's a, a picture of the little guy. He was cute. Um, he was about two. We went on vacation uh, to some of our relatives' place in South Texas. And um, we had a, a great time there. It was nearing the end of our vacation. And we were playing around in the condo. And he was running through all the house like kids do. And he falls. And he starts just screaming. I mean, screaming. And you, you'll learn when you're a parent, and especially by the third kid, they fall, and you're like, yeah, okay, get up. You're fine. You know, like, yay, you fell. Don't cry. I'm watching my shows. No, I'm just kidding. But this was different. Like, he didn't stop crying. And he didn't get up, and he was grabbing his knee, and he was just screaming. So much pain. We were like, we had no idea what he did. We thought maybe he tore something in there. I don't know. He cried all night long, literally all night. You know, he would drift off to sleep, and then he would kind of jump awake, and every time he'd move, he'd go back to screaming because it would just kill his knee, and it was the longest night of my life. And here we were looking at going home in a day or two, a 12-hour drive. Like, how are we going to do this? He can't even lay in the bed. You know, like, we were completely freaked out. And we took him to this clinic in town that was really sketchy, and they didn't know what they were doing, and they didn't give us any answers and so we were left like, man, I've got to do something. I'm a, he need, maybe he needs like a splint, right? That's something they do to the, the stabilize it or something. So I head into town with the two other kids, and I'm going to build a splint. So for some reason, I go to Sutherland's because I guess I'm going to build a splint out of like lumber and metal or something. <laughs> and I, I'm walking through the aisles of Sutherland's, and I, I kid you not, like the life just drained out of me. Like I was so confused and it seems kind of silly looking back because it wasn't like his life was in danger, right? But I was so helpless and hopeless in that moment. I didn't know what to do. And I'd seen him in so much pain. There's nothing I could do to take it away. And I, I just got broken, just kind of aimlessly wandering through these aisles. And I was literally like wiping tears off my face, like, what is wrong with me, you know? And in that moment, I kind of just gave up to God, like, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And it's like, it's like I, I could feel his just compassion towards me, like his heart for me as his kid. And I could feel just, it's hard to explain, just feel like his, his love come over me, almost like he's, he's giving me a hug. And all of a sudden, I felt like, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be okay. And my mind kind of cleared up and I instantly had this idea like, oh, cardboard, right? <laughs> so we go to Walmart, we buy some cardboard and some ace bandages and I kind of bend it and cut it and we wrap it up. Like here's a, here's a picture. It was really high tech. <laughs> but the second we put it on him, he was good. And it, it took him several weeks. We, we still don't know what he did. He finally got over it, but God taught me something in that moment. Like number one, my heart broke for my kid. But then God's heart breaks for us. Like he, he sympathizes. He's not some distant deity like somewhere far away that doesn't know what's going on in our lives. Like he, he sees you, he knows you, he cares about you. And when you feel it, he feels it too. 
because he's been there. That's cool stuff, man. He's been there. And not only that, but like, you know, when we commit our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, right? The Spirit of God. You have God exists in a trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. So he, he's closer than our skin, right? He's in us. And he's wanting to lead us step by step through every single day. He wants to be in all of it, if we'll only let him. He's all about our now. So what's crazy about that is he's all about now, but he's also all about later. <laughs> he's all about our later, like about our after this life, about our eternity. He's all about our life. He's all about this single moment, but also he sees the big picture. He's all about our eternity. Let's look at this. John 1, we read this last week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word here is, is talking about Jesus. Jesus was there. The Trinity there existed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the very beginning, before there was anything, he was there for creation and all of it. Like, he, he's an eternal being, right? He, he exists outside of time and space. He's, he's completely timeless. And if he exists outside of time and space, he can view a timeline, kind of our, our whole existence, like all of our years, as if it happens at the same time. Like, he, he exists outside of our realm. He's completely limitless. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He has unlimited power. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time, in and through everything. He has a global perspective, even more than that, a universal perspective. He's a big God. He has an, an eternal mindset. And here's what's crazy. It's like his being all about our little tiny moments, it's actually what points to the fact that he's all about our eternities. Let me read you something here. The greatest reason we have to believe in God's love and care for us is the incarnation. That's Jesus coming. God, seeing all that was broken in the world, all the sin, all the sadness, he personally intervened. But he didn't just send a message. He sent his son. Jesus became human and was specially commissioned by God to enter into our hurting world. The spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. In other words, listen to this. Don't miss it. God saw our greatest eternal dilemma, that separation from him. He felt love and compassion for us, and he demonstrated that love in the person of Jesus. In Jesus, God got personally involved. Man, he, he so is about our, our, our lives and our, ourselves as individuals that that causes him to care about our greatest dilemma, and that's our eternity. That's why he sent Jesus. See, Jesus came to the earth, and his ministry was about teaching and preaching and healing people, right? Feeding people, ministering to them, making their lives here better. But all those miracles were pointing toward his deity, right? Like the fact that he was God and he had the power to forgive sin. So he spent his ministry healing people, helping people. But the very reason he came and ultimately the reason he would lay down his life is not to heal their sickness here on earth, but to heal their 
sin problem. He came to save them for eternity. He loved us so much, he wanted to save us. See, and he, he can heal us today. Do you believe God still heals? I don't know if you've been around someone or you ever been healed yourself. But there's been a couple of times I've prayed for some physical things and I've been healed. He may choose to heal us, but here's the problem. We get sick again. Why? Because 10 out of 10 of us are heading towards the same end. Every single one of us is going to die. But what Jesus ultimately wants to, to save us from is our eternal sickness and from eternal death. And that lasts forever. John 3.16, you've probably read it. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He loved you. He loved me so much. That's why Jesus came. That if we believe in what he did for us on the cross, we could have eternal life. You ever think about eternity? Maybe you're not nerdy like me, but like, you ever try to just think, like try to fathom forever? Like it makes your head swim, right? Eternity. I could explain it to you, but it would take forever, so. <laughs> it's a dad joke, I'm sorry, dad joke. It'll work better for the older people. Eternity, it never ends. Think about it. It never ends. And I was trying to think of a good visual aid for explaining eternity, kind of put it into some perspective. And this is the one I keep coming back to. It's one I saw a long time ago, and I just never forget it. Like, let's, uh, let's imagine this rope has no end. Okay, it, it goes forever. It does end. It's right there. I see it. But, like, just imagine it doesn't end. It goes on forever. Now, imagine this rope that goes on forever is a, a timeline for your existence. This is your life. Now, this end, this little part that's black right here, imagine with me. This is your life on earth. The time your entire, let's say you live to be 100 years old. This is your 100-year lifespan right here. And then this, that goes and goes and goes and goes. This is your forever. This is your later. This is your eternity. See, we're all eternal. Our, our bodies die, but our spirits, they're eternal. Think about how much time and energy and effort and just thought and everything that goes into this existence, your life here on earth. Just all, you know, the worry and, you know, working, you know, you, you got to get into a good school and get a good degree and graduate and jobs and marriage and family maybe, you know, and maybe getting a, a higher paying job and retirement and you want to travel, you want to do all this stuff. So, like all of our energy goes in right here. How much time do you spend thinking about this? I, I don't. I mean, I'm guilty. I don't think about it enough. Think about that. How much different would your life look and your decisions look? Your financial decisions, the decisions you make in terms of relationships and how you spend your time, 
how much different would it look if you looked beyond this at the rest of it? I would think it would look a whole lot different, right? We make decisions differently when we have kind of a more of an eternal perspective. That's what Jesus asks. He cares about us and our now, but man, he cares about the rest of it even more. Second Corinthians. This is kind of where we come down to kind of some challenges. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we fix our eyes not on, not on what is seen, right? Because this is temporary. We fix our eyes and our attention on what is unseen. Because that is eternal. That lasts forever. So that's the first challenge is fix your eyes on the unseen. Fix your eyes on the unseen. That's not an easy thing to do today, right? See, Jesus isn't very much like us, but we should spend our lives as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, trying every single day to be more like him. How did Jesus live his life? Man, I can't even tell you. I can't look at social media hardly anymore. It's like, you know, Facebook, Twitter, it's just the worst. It's like the Christian trolls come out, you know, it's like everywhere you look, there are Christian people that I know just spewing hate and bickering and fighting and, and condemning people and calling things out. It's like, it's like the church exists, you know, to, to tell the world which sins God hates the most and condemning sinners and just, it's disgusting. Like, what, what are we doing? conservatism and liberalism and politics. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Is that how Jesus lived his life? Andy Stanley says it like this. It's a, it's a cool picture. It's like, he says the church sometimes can become, you know, these four walls that we all huddle and hide inside, you know, the safety of our church walls. And we, we lob these truth grenades over the walls that just blow people up, judging people. That's not what Jesus did. In fact, think about this. Who else besides him, who else would have more of a right to be offended by the sin around him? He was, he was God in flesh. He was perfect in every way. And he lived in a, just a terrible time just of greed and corruption and scandals and lust. And I mean, he should have walked everywhere he went and just been disgusted by everything, right? Calling people out, judging people but that's not what he did. In fact, he spent the majority of his time with the worst of them. He loved the sinner. He might have hated the sin, sure, he did, but he loved the sinner. He spent his time with them. He walked and talked and ate with them. I think we should look the same way. It's time for the, the people of God to start acting like the people of God. Give grace to people. Respond with grace. 
See, when you have an eternal perspective like Jesus, you're able to love the sin or hate the sin. You're able to respond to people, not react in some emotional, stupid way, but to have your heart break for that person, to respond with compassion, to see their need. Clayton showed this last week. Jesus wasn't just grace. He wasn't just truth. He was both, both and. He was all grace, all truth. That's real love. Jesus is is real love. He was all about grace. He was all about truth in one package. And then you have this beautiful moment. At the end of Jesus' life and his ministry, he's coming up to the very end, the very last moments that he has on this earth. He knows what's coming. And he has his closest disciples up in this room with him. And he gives them the bread and the cup. And he's talking about his body broken for them and his blood poured out for them. And they're like, what is happening? Then he washes their feet. And that freaks them out, right? That embarrasses them. Like, no, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus insisted that he serve them in that way to humble himself and wash their feet. And then it's come down to this one moment. You can think of it like final instructions, For his closest disciples, he says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Who was he talking to? Was he talking to like put together Christ followers that had everything, you know, they're they're easy to love? I don't think so. He's telling them, love each other the way that I have loved each one of you. Who was in the room? Matthew was there. Matthew was a tax collector before he followed Jesus. They were the worst of the worst. So corrupt. They were hated and despised by everyone. But Jesus responded with grace. He said, come with me. Peter was there. Peter, who just can't help but say the stupidest thing at the wrong moment, right? He had a big mouth. And he was moments away from denying that he even had ever heard of Jesus, had ever known him. He's there. Judas. Judas was there for the bread and the cup and the foot washing. And then he splits. Why? At this very moment, he was betraying Jesus. He was selling him off for a couple of pieces of silver. And Jesus is telling telling everybody, hey, love each other the way I've loved you. The rest of the disciples that were no-shows at his trial, guys, Jesus was just moments away from being arrested and tried. He had all these people falsely accusing him. And not one of his closest friends bothered to show up to defend him. And then... On the cross, only one came. As Jesus hung his head to die for them, all of them were hiding except for one. And he's telling them, listen, you have to love each other the way that I have loved you in your brokenness, in your disobedience, in your messed up lives, in your disloyalty. 
he's got to be thinking, right? Like, and you think you've seen love at this point? You think you've seen love? You ain't seen nothing yet. Because in a couple of days, Jesus was about to pay the ultimate price. Tortured and killed for them. Not just for their now, but for their later. That's how we are supposed to love each other. We should love the way Jesus loved. We got to love the way he loved. He loves us by, he cares about our now, he cares about our later. How are you loving people in your life? We should care about their now. Oh, that's messy. To love people where they are, to be willing to get down in their mess with them and walk through them, walk through things with them, minister to them. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get betrayed just like Jesus did. But more than that, you got to care about their later. You got to care about their soul, their eternity. Who in your life needs you to love them the way Jesus loved? We have to love the way Jesus loved. And here's the beauty of it, right? This is why this is good news that Jesus is both things. If we were to assume that he was only about the here and now and, and didn't care about our eternity, that, that leads to us thinking that Jesus just wants us to be happy here on earth, right? He wants us to be happy and blessed, right? It leads to like the, the name it and claim it and the health and wealth and all that doctrine, like thinking, you know, if I just have enough faith, Jesus is going to heal me. So he didn't heal me. So I don't have enough faith. Something's wrong with me. I'm broken or you know, maybe Jesus will bless me more financially if I send more money to the TV preacher. Like, that's a dangerous way to think. But on the other hand, if we were to think that he's only about, etern- about, about uh, here and now, I'm sorry, about eternity. If he's only about eternity, that leads us to think that we serve a distant God off way far away, way too busy to, to care about us. He doesn't see what we're going through. He doesn't know what we're going through. He's got more important things going on. But the, the good news is he's, he's both and. He's in your every single moment and he wants to be in your forever. Here's the question I want you to wrestle with tonight. What are you gonna do with Jesus? What are you gonna do with Jesus? I don't know what your spiritual journey has looked like to this point. I don't know if you're like a, a serious like you're bought in, Christ follower, faithful. Maybe you're somebody that you're like, most of the time you think you're a Christian, but other times you're not so sure. Maybe you're done with church, you're done with God. You're here giving them some kind of second chance or something. Maybe you're just desperate. Maybe you don't know which end is up right now and you feel lost. I don't know where you're at, but he does. What are you gonna do? with Jesus. Some of us need to make a decision because he loves you and and he, he wants to help you in this life. He doesn't want to see you in pain. He wants to see you make the right decisions. He wants to see you, you know, he, he has a plan for your life. He has a destiny in mind for this. He's got a plan for that, that he wants to be in and all about and see you used for his glory. But he's like, better than that. I want to be in your later. I want, I want to heal your sin problem. 
Only Jesus can do that. Some of us need to make a decision. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus loved you so much. It was his life's mission to heal your sin. Only Jesus took your sin and your shame and your past and failures and walked them all the way up to the cross. Only Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for you and for me. Only Jesus died for you. Only Jesus rose from the dead. Only Jesus conquered sin and death and holds the keys to hell itself. Only Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the Father's right hand. Only Jesus can heal your sin, cleanse you, erase your past, and cement your future. Only Jesus can reconcile your heart to God's. Only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Only Jesus can take the broken pieces of your life and weave them back together into something beautiful. He's the only one that can do that. Only Jesus holds out his nail-scarred hands to you right here, right now, and says, come with me. I've already paid for all of it. Only Jesus looks at your burdens and your trouble and your pain. And he says, give it to me. You weren't meant to carry this by yourself. Only Jesus, through the Holy Spirit of God that wants to live inside of you, is offering to get down into your mess with you and to lead you and guide you step by step by step through the landmines of life. Only Jesus can lead you into your later, your paradise, eternal life with him in the perfection of heaven. Only Jesus, but only if you let him. This is coming for all of us. When you stand before him, what are you gonna say? We're all gonna be there. Are you gonna say, I was pretty good? I'm a good person, never killed nobody? See, we, we assume that God's good is the same as our good. God's good is perfection, and we're not perfect. There was only one that was good, that was Jesus himself, only Jesus. So if you need to make a decision tonight, I'm, I'm begging you to do it. He's got a plan for you. He's got so much for you. And for all of us, man, leave this place with an eternal perspective, knowing that Jesus is in your every single day. Let him in. And love people the same way. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that you would help this to sink into us, God. Not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge tonight that we know that you love us in a, a personal and intimate way. And God, give us the strength to, to love other people the same way. We want to love each other the way that you loved us. Respond with compassion. God, break our hearts for the people around us, even our worst enemies. God, I pray that we would see them in a different light, that our hearts would break for them, that we would see them through your eyes. God, thank you for loving us so well. Give us the power to do the same for everyone else. In your name, amen.